0: Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live.
1: From the Summer Skate Studios, Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey Southwest Live for November 21st, 2021. Tonight's scheduled guest, Jason Hajdu of College Hockey, Inc. Behind the Masks College Hockey Southwest Live is brought to you by the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask hockey shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com. whether you're on ice or in line. UNLV Hockey. ACHA Division I Hockey under the bright lights of Las Vegas. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, dine-in, take-out, or catering your next event We're at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas And now at Allegiant Stadium events as well Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos Anywhere you want to go, you can bet there's a Caesars Resort in the center of the action By Boost Mobile With Boost Mobile, you always get plans and phones that fit your needs And by Burrito Express The East Valley's home of the always-available breakfast burrito Go to burritoexpress.com for the location near you. College Hockey Southwest Live from the Summer Skate Studios, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein.
2: All right. Welcome in, NCAA hockey fans. It's Sunday night, which means it must be College Hockey Southwest Live, presented by our friends at Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com. Scott Strandy with you tonight from the windy city of Chicago, Illinois, uh, where it hasn't really been windy until today, but uh, I'm feeling it now, so I'm used to it now. I'm ready. Uh, My co-host is always Paul Hornstein from that beautiful palatial estate on Long Island, New York. Paul, are you uh, at home or in the UBS Center or uh, got the servants working for you? What's going on tonight? Is that not loud enough? (laughs) <laughs> no i'm not listening i'm not listening blah 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 sure? <laughs> can't hear it can't hear it. just a bunch of stuff in the background blah 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 yeah, um yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. how are you uh i'm all right uh, where do you think i am i'm in the basement where i'm not allowed to leave
2: <laughs> what is that going on in your background just you turn it off <laughs> what you mean between? I was just playing your music. Oh, okay, my music. Ah, uh, oh, if another. Is it not
1: loud enough? I'm sorry, I did not mean to. No,
2: it wasn't loud me. enough. It wasn't loud. Just leave it. Leave it at that. <laughs> I get you're
3: the sure? hint.
1: <laughs> because you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, once again, you know, I see what happens oh. you're, where you are. <laughs> I know you're used to hearing this before you uh, walk in anywhere.
2: Now oh. you got me looking. Now you got me looking on the ground to see if there's red carpet too.
1: Well, you just naturally assume that there is because I don't. It, I don't uh. think. You I'm sure Bren- that That's in the contract that you sign, right?
2: <laughs> I'm in beautiful Willowbrook, Illinois, just uh, about 17 miles south of the uh, downtown Chicago area, in the beautiful La Quinta Hotel with our friends and partners from Caesars Entertainment. Absolutely love it. Uh, Caesars and Wyndham, what a great partnership! And um, uh, Paul, it's another unbelievable weekend of college hockey at all levels. Um, people ask, "Why are you in Chicago?" Maybe. Well, I'm here because of ACHA Chicago Classic. Yes, we cover ACHA. Yes, we cover NCAA. Yes, we cover AHL and NHL. We are um, college hockey and professional hockey in the Southwest, which now includes Chicago, apparently.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, clearly, um, once you leave Minnesota, you have no idea where anything is.
2: (laughs) Anyway, I will say that uh, I did see some great college hockey. I'm not calling it club anymore, Paul. It's gone. It's college hockey at another level, just a different level of college hockey, but it's college hockey. Also saw some USHL hockey at the uh, Chicago Steel on Saturday night and uh, interested – Sundevil fans and interested Arizona fans will know that I did see Jake uh um, Living Living a Vonage. <laughs> I can't get it right. Uh, no, it's living a Vonage. Uh, I don't
1: know. Okay, Jake,
2: the roadrunner. Listen that's who listen, I saw.
1: Listen. Make sure you clarify. <laughs> when you say Arizona, you mean the state of.
2: Yeah, the state of Arizona. Yeah, relax, (laughs) relax. And I also saw an Arizona State Sun Devil recruit, a goaltender named Gibson Homer, who, uh, by the way, I believe that was uh, number eight in a row that he's made 30 saves or more and um, has allowed just a couple of goals a night. So uh, Chicago Steel are on a roll, and a couple of uh, one future Sun Devil and one current Arizona resident are, are playing a big role in it. So on the uh, ACHA side of things, Paul, uh, UNLV captured a uh, Chicago classic championship by defeating the number two team, the number four team, and the number six team in the uh, ACHA national rankings. That's impressive.
1: Yeah. Oh listen, I mean, um, we all know what UNLV is striving for. Uh, It's what we want to see happen. Um, and that's the way you have to do it.
2: Absolutely, you got to uh, you got to win at the level you're at before you can think about moving up to the next level. That's a coach Powers must. Speaking of that, Coach Powers scheduled to join us on Tuesday night, which would be great. They were off this yeah. weekend. Um, Colorado College was off this weekend. Um, right. Air Force has one of the strangest schedule glitches ever. <laughs> They're well, playing Sacred Heart uh, on uh, under- games in five days.
1: Yes, and I and, and actually it's cool because um you know if I if if life didn't get in the way, there was a game today, there's game tomorrow, one of the Air Force games, a game on Tuesday, one of the Air Force games, and is playing Bemidji on Wednesday.
2: Oh, you'd love that. You just can't just call in sick and stay at home.
1: Well they're not <laughs> night games, so to, I'd be home anyway.
2: I hear you. <laughs> anyway, uh, although
1: so, calling sick is not a, not a not the worst idea you've ever had.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I think <laughs> uh, the Denver Pioneers did play this weekend. They did play at home. They did play Miami, and they did sweep. So, congratulations to the Pioneers for uh, doing what needs to be done in NCHC hockey, which is sweep at home and split on the road.
1: Yeah, more or less. Or if you can say sweet people on the road, but that doesn't happen that often.
2: Yeah, it doesn't. But if you can do that, that's even a plus. But you got to take care of business at home, and Denver perfect at home still with an 8-4-0 and record overall, and uh, the only four losses of the year have come on the road, which is <laughs> every road game so far. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll see what the Pioneers can do to get back on track. Next time uh, they will be in action will be New Year's. No, no. They will be – I was way ahead of myself. That's when I will see them again at Magnus Arena's, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. They will be off for Thanksgiving, and then they will travel the first weekend of December to take take on who, Paul?
1: That would be uh, Arizona State, and that would be at Oceanside. Ouch,
2: ouch, at Arizona Arizona State, at Oceanside. That sounds like a battle. Okay, um, before we get into too much more, I will tell everybody that we are expecting to have a great guest on tonight, the former SID at North Dakota for years. I want to say that I drove him out because uh, I I drove him crazy so many times when I was covering North Dakota hockey. He finally had enough and said, I'm leaving. We'll ask Jason Hager that when he comes on, whether that was something that uh, drove him to – semi retirement was just my harassing of him or something. But I'm sure um, he,
1: I'm sure he say I'm sure that uh, <laughs> it was.
2: But he, he's now at College Hockey Inc. So we got him back in college hockey again and that is fantastic for the entire college hockey world. Uh, one of the very best at what he does, now the director of communications for College Hockey Inc. He'll be joining us in about what, 11 minutes, not even that, uh, seven, eight minutes, something like that.
1: Know, whatever. Whatever time you told um, him.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I love it. Uh, so anyway, um, before we dig into too much more, um, I normally wait for our guests. For the, should I wait for our guests for the Super 16, or do you want to jump into it right now for a couple of minutes?
1: Um, why don't we take a break? We can start okay. the 16, and then when <laughs> Jason comes up and is ready to go, we, we can throw him into the fire. No sense uh, waiting.
2: Okay, we'll, we'll- – We'll take a break in just a minute, but first things first, oh, wow. then let's, let's talk about Denver and uh, Carter Mazer. Oh, my goodness. I told uh, Coach uh, – or I asked Coach Carl the other day, I said, do you go out recruiting and just look for kid's named Carter? Because Carter Savoy is red hot. Carter Mazer is red hot. He's got another Carter and Carter King on that roster. So if your name is Carter, just sign up to go play uh, hockey at DU.
1: If it works
2: – <laughs> whatever works that, that's my call for you if it works plug it in and use it right
1: oh uh, listen they got a they they got a couple of power play goals on Friday night they they really were never threatened in that game I know it was one one at the end of the first period but um Miami was never really in the game it was never one of those deals where you're setting yourself and say man if this happens Denver's going to be in trouble or, or or something to that effect uh, or Miami's hanging around in this game longer than 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 they should be, um, and it was even more than that on, on, on Saturday. was just a rout.
4: Yeah, they, Saturday uh, was
1: was one nothing at the end of the first period. But I mean, I don't even think Miami had the puck.
2: Paul, so. they are a uh, juggernaut at Magnus Arena. Uh, they are just unbelievable. If they figure it out on the road. They are going to keep moving up that uh, Super 16. So there's my tease for it. Let's take a quick break. Let's see if we can connect with uh, the Director of Communications for College Hockey, Inc. Jason has due in just about three minutes. And uh, let's dig into some more college hockey. We'll be right back.
0: As you plan your next trip, or perhaps your first trip in a while, Drury Hotels has over 150 locations to help you travel happy again. Winners of 16 consecutive J.D. Power Awards for guest satisfaction, Drury Hotels treats you right. Free hot breakfast and happy hours, 24-hour fitness and business centers, as well as more than enough Wi-Fi bandwidth to take care of all your connectivity needs. Whether you're traveling for business, catching a hockey game, or just trying to reconnect with cozy moments, Drury Hotels have the location and amenities you need when looking for a place to stay. Call one 800 drury Inn, or go to druryhotels.com and book your stay today. Drury Hotels, where our home is your home.
5: More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet,
1: or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at
3: nchc.tv. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on nchc.tv.
4: At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our Three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com.
0: Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live.
2: All right, welcome back in hockey fans. This indeed is College Hockey Southwest Live, our reaction show every Sunday night presented by our friends at Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com. Scott Strandy joining you tonight from beautiful uh, Chicago, Illinois, where it was a glorious weekend for uh, mid to late November. No snow, uh, no real cold. A little bit of rain today, but it cleared up nicely and had a chance. As always, as always, living in the life of luxury in that beautiful palatial estate on Long Island, New York. Not just a stone's Stonesville from the new UBS Center, the home of the New York Islanders. Paul hornsey
1: Um well, not quite a stone's throw, anyway. Um, it, <laughs> what, not here, it's actually
2: you're a little slow. Well,
1: first of, of all, it'll take me a while to get loose. Um, second of all, it's actually if, if about ten minutes from where I the building that I work in. So you,
2: you pick up on um, me, so I didn't hear that. Not a stone's throw from there, but from other places. That you yeah, it's about a stone's
1: throw from where I used to from where I work. So
2: right. Mm-hmm. I'm having a problem with Paul. Just, you're, you're, com- you're coming in and out. You're coming in and out. We'll, uh, we'll get it connected. We're trying to connect with Jason to the new uh, director of communications for College Hockey, Inc. As soon as we're able to get uh, Jason connected, we'll start talking some hockey, and we'll find out the, uh, the burning question. Did I, in fact, drive him out of North Dakota? We'll find out in just a minute. But, uh Jason, I think we have you on board. You got Scott and Paul with you tonight. How are you, my friend? Can, can I just call you hash? Now. You can call me whenever you like. Sorry no, 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 Don't tell him
3: that. <laughs> I, I, uh, don't I tell your, him that. I heard your very kind introduction at the top of the show, and your check is in the mail.
1: Um.
2: Ah, oh, thank you, thank Dad, you. See, now, uh, now Jason,
0: you're let me,
3: let me tell you this.
2: Uh, <laughs> I I told Paul. I said we got to have Jason on when I found out about your new job. And college hockey is so lucky to have you back in the fold, no matter what you do or or where you are, because uh, you were one of the very best SIDs that the University of North Dakota ever had. Um, I'm going to say you were a Fighting Sioux. Is that okay? I'm
3: a, I'm a, <laughs> I am a proud <laughs> University of North Dakota alum. <laughs> Uh, yes. oh, come oh on. No. It. and, and yeah. a new Nodak. those new Nodak jerseys are out jason you gotta love that how sweet were those those were really cool i'm uh i'm all about the throwback style uniforms i like i like nice clean crisp looks on a hockey sweater and yes. those those hit the sweet spot i'll tell you what wow those were nice um yes, yes.
2: and edgewise, but
0: your
3: uh, job Scott, I think I lost I you Jason. I think yeah, I lost it's, you there it's for a second. Going Are you looking at your job here. description? Of those nights. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're, you're, yeah, you're back. you're back. Go ahead. Yeah, would you mind running that by me again? I dropped for a second there.
1: Well, he basically asked... Yeah, go ahead. Basically, he asked, uh, um, what is it that they have you doing over there at College Hockey Inc.?
3: Yeah, the interesting thing is, it's a lot of the similar things I was doing when I was an SID at UND. It's a lot of... um, a lot of outreach to press and reporters and uh, making sure that they're um, they're receiving the messaging that we feel is important to get out there. There's a lot of <laughs> I was looking through the files Nate Ewell left behind and boy, there's a lot of historical research and statistical research. Um, so we're armed properly with the bright data when we're going out into the world and, and telling aspiring hockey players and their and their families um, the benefits of the NCAA hockey path that they're getting the right information that can inform the decision they want to make. And there's a lot of, I'm going to spend a lot of time in the rink, obviously a lot of travel, uh, a lot of face to face with reporters and broadcasters and radio announcers. And, um, there's also a lot of work maintaining our website, collegehockeyinc.com, which is uh, just a tremendous free resource for aspiring players, um, to contact us if they have questions about anything related to their amateur eligibility, their academic eligibility, etc. Um, also some great tools on there just to see the sheer number of players that college hockey has sent to the National Hockey League, particularly in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling. So I'm wearing a lot of hats, but they're all pretty similar hats to what I wore in my previous uh, professional life.
1: Well, it's it's funny because, as we've mentioned several times on on, on this product, you can – that tremendous increase – of college players in the NHL goes right to one point. I mean it's it's uh it, it all goes back to mid February twenty how what is how many years is it now? Is it forty one years now? Forty two years? In Lake Placid? I mean that was really yeah. the jumping off point. I'm sorry, I'm dating myself, Jason. <laughs>
3: No, that's fine. I was, I was alive and kicking in 1980. Uh, It's, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I grew up in Canada. I grew up in Regina, Saskatchewan, right in the smack dab in the middle of the prairies. And at that time, we're talking in the eighties and nineties, you didn't have a lot of exposure to NCAA hockey. Um, But I know in looking back that it wasn't really viewed widely within hockey as the most legitimate or illegitimate path to the NHL. It sent a few players. There were success stories, no doubt. Um, But in terms of just sheer numbers, the the numbers that we see now were not the numbers we saw back in the 80s and 90s. And to see the growth in the game Mm -hmm. nationwide, at all levels, in all geographic footprints, uh, you're probably right. It traces back to that watershed moment. And you've seen that exponential growth since then I think, I think something like one-third of the National Hockey League last year came from NCAA hockey. Uh, and based on the, the number of rookies in the NHL and the recent draft bits, draft picks, et cetera, et cetera, that number is only going to grow, um, which is great. It's, it's just, that puts an exclamation point on the growth we've seen in U.S. college hockey.
2: Jason, let me, uh, let me tell you a couple of things about North Dakota that, uh, <laughs> that stood out to me this weekend. And mm-hmm. I'm in Chicago. Um, I saw the Chicago Steel play it, and uh, I felt really old because uh, one of the players there was uh, Jackson Blake, the son of Jason Blake. <laughs> and man, oh man, can that kid play hockey? Um, I also saw an Arizona State product that uh, is going to be the first, I believe, Arizonan uh, other than Colton St. Clair mm-hmm. to uh, to play at North Dakota. So that was exciting. And they told me about another player at the Chicago Steel that are going to, that's uh, attending North Dakota as a a uh, hockey player before too long, so um, uh, North Dakota hockey still thriving.
3: <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Yeah, that's fair to say. <laughs> um, it's um, boy, and that's that's you almost take for granted the success of programs like North Dakota, um, and they're certainly not the only one. But to have that that success year in and year out, to be able to meet the expectations year in and year out, you know, firsthand what a pressure cooker that market is, uh, in terms of fan base and in terms of internal expectations and pressure that the program places on itself. Um, they don't take well to losing. Uh, they don't accept losing. And, uh, just to be able to sustain that year over year, you know, college hockey has gotten so competitive. There are so many good programs and the talent pool has spread so wide now. Um, there are no gimmies on the schedule like there used to be and to be able to sustain that success year in and year out and obviously you're not going to win a national championship every year um but to be in position to be able to win or compete for a national championship year in and year year out that's that's a tremendous testament to the work of Brad Berry and his staff Dave Hackstall before him Dean Blaze before that and Gino and on and on and on it's um it's pretty incredible and it was it was special to be a part of
2: well, Paul, did you, how did... did you catch that? He he can rattle off names like that because uh,
3: he's business,
2: so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I... Uh, let me follow it up real quickly because I, I visited with Jake uh, Livanovich from uh, Robert, Arizona, who was uh, only seven. No, Livanovich that's his last name, Livanovich. But anyway, oh. he uh, he told me I asked him why he he chose North Dakota, and I think you'll find this interesting, Jason. He said uh, a couple of things. He said, "Well." the tradition and the ability to win national championships was one. Uh, the facilities were two. Uh, at, uh, all the teachers at the University of North Dakota that he's met want to see their hockey players succeed in life, not just on the hockey rink. So he talked about the, uh, the tutoring and things like that. And I'm sure every, you know, every university has that, but you know with that new facility uh, years ago and now, uh, at uh, the Ralph Engelstad arena that uh, that was a big part of it having that student area where uh, they could get tutored and and do their, their classwork as well right
3: yeah that's that's really nice to hear from a, a, a young player. Um, my wife actually also worked in the athletic department while we were at UND she was our academic services coordinator for the athletic department so she oversaw the, the class scheduling and the career services and those types of things. So uh, I know firsthand that that's taken very seriously at the University of North Dakota and at every institution uh, in the NCAA. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy to stay up on your classwork when you're traveling so much, when you're spending the bulk of your time in an arena or in an airport or a hotel. Um, but these guys do get after it. And, it's, and that's, that's vital. Um, 92% of all NCAA hockey players will receive their degree and that should not be overlooked when considering the path um, for a young player. That should not be overlooked when considering the NCAA path. That's a valuable thing. Uh, college hockey really checks off every box you could ask for as an aspiring young hockey player, and education is certainly one of them.
1: Well, here's – before we get to, to, to current and future things, I just one more question because these are the kinds of questions that I like to ask. Uh, If you grew up in Regina, uh, how did you end up at North Dakota? (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, that's a good question because actually, my my original career desire was to become a sports writer um, and stay in Canada and be a sports writer. So I was going to go to journalism school in Regina, uh, and then I think it was about eleventh grade. um, I received a phone call. My cousin was the softball coach at the University of North Dakota in the mid nineties, and in the eleventh grade, she she called me up. She knew I was a hardcore sports fan, hockey fan, stats geek, all of that. And right. she started telling me about this, the sports information office, which I had never heard of. I, I didn't know that was even a thing that existed. <laughs> and as she's explaining it to me, she let me know that there might be an internship possibility if I was interested in, in going to UND um, for college. Well, of course, this sounded this sounded this was mind blowing to me. This was like (laughs) this was the great epiphany for me, and I actually took a a trip down in high school just to check out campus and um, go to a couple basketball games and get a feel for the place. And I agreed right then and there that this was this was going to be my new um, this is what I was going to pursue. This now, and I did end up there on the campus at UND in the fall of '95 as a freshman. I interned in the sports info office from day one for the next 23 years that's that was my home away from home um from an undergrad to a grad assistant to an assistant sid to a director to uh eventually assistant athletic director that was that was that was it for me that was I couldn't believe that you could do that for a living I, um, I get it it was it was terrific <laughs> uh, and zero regrets that that phone call from my cousin absolutely changed my life and I I remind her of that every chance I get no, I, I Paul, totally Paul, before that. you jump in
2: there, let, let you get a kick out of this one, Jason. I, I think I met Jason for the first time when uh, Brad Schlossman was a freshman in high school. Oh boy! <laughs> no, it wasn't that long ago. Well, he probably looked Brad, the same. Brad was, Brad was pretty young, except he wasn't wearing the headband back then. <laughs> but he's grown into to quite a quite a sports writer and a hockey writer, for fact,
3: right? Isn't Isn't it amazing how blessed Grand Forks is to have? To go from Verge Foss, first of all, to Brad Schlossman on the, on the newspaper beat. That's
2: and ridiculous. to have Tim
3: Hennessy behind the microphone for about 40 years at this point. Um, to have, I won't even say arguably, to have the best radio man and the best beat writer in college hockey chronicling your team for you is a blessing. And uh, I, th- I think North Dakota fans know how fortunate they are uh, to have those two gentlemen. And uh, I know I was fortunate to work alongside both of them day in and day out uh, for so long.
2: Okay, Paul, I open the back up for you now.
1: <laughs> oh Wow, listen, I, I, I don't have a problem with reminiscing. You know that. I'll do that all day long. Um. All right, so as we uh, come to this point in college hockey, it's a weird time in college hockey. you got programs going in and out. You have schools adding teams, taking away teams. Um, as we sit here, Scott and I, uh, have had several conversations, for example, about Augustana, and they had uh, uh, a, uh, a ceremony, uh, you know, putting shovels in the ground to, to start their building and announce their program, but it's kind of been uh, a blackout since. Um, we've been following very closely the, the, the deals with uh, Robert Morris and, and Alaska Anchorage um and the lindenwood rumors go around and round and round and round um let's not forget huntsville how do you guys there um kind of are just kind of juggle all that right now
3: you're right it is an interesting time and i know college hockey inc makes itself available to programs that are interested in adding division 1 hockey Uh, I know college hockey Inc is available to programs that are trying to save or revive or whatever the situation may be Their uh, hockey programs, but to see programs adding the sport is that's a good thing. And I think good things can come in all shapes and sizes. So when you see a major, uh, a school with such brand recognition, like Arizona or Arizona state at hockey, um, that's great to get that right jason yeah have to get that right (laughs) and to see penn state flourishing after adding hockey that's a good thing and now to see a school a smaller profile school like augustana also join the fray that's a good thing um like i said all the good things come in all shapes and sizes and having been out of the sport for the last three years or so i don't I don't think I can comment specifically really in depth on a lot of these programs, but I can say with regard to Augustana, um, Josh Morton, the athletic director and their leadership, they're in great hands. My time, some of my time at UND crossed over with Josh Morton's time at North Dakota uh, when he headed up our development operations and they're in good hands in Augustana. Josh is a good leader. He is measured. He's intelligent Um, He has integrity and he will get them where they want to be. And that's a good hockey market and they have the the local support. They have the corporate support. I think it's phenomenal to see a school of that profile taking this leap. I think, I think that's tremendous. So anytime we can add programs and not take away programs, that's just a good thing. There's just no other way uh, to look at it. So interesting to see what the next few years brings whether we have more programs adding if we can we can get some of these other programs on more solid ground uh, i think this is a really exciting time to be a college hockey fan
1: okay so and and i will make this very generic just because i it's it's the right way to do it we're school x okay and we're considering uh, or we're interested in, 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 in talking about adding a program, okay. the, the first thing and the most obvious thing we know we have to do is raise the money. Mm-hmm. What else are, when, when, when a school comes to you guys at College Hockey Inc., what are some of the other things that you guys are saying to these schools and say, Hey, you know, besides the money, you need A, B, C, D.
3: Yeah, and you're right. The financing is first and foremost, obviously. it's um, No sport is cheap to implement and to administer. Hockey is no exception. It's an expensive sport, and you need to make sure your financing ducks are in a row. I would say also facility is a glaring one. Um, do you have the means to have the proper facility? Uh, will you have the means to have a proper facility? Uh, There are obviously Title IX implications of adding a program, and and all of these schools know that, but that is another one that needs to be checked off the checklist, obviously. Um, What kind of hockey market are you in? Is there room for growth? Um, Are you in a a more limited market, whether that's geographically, population-wise, what have you? There's a lot of things that go into this. And the schools don't go into this blind. They don't go into this half-cocked. They all conduct feasibility studies. They make sure they're, they're looking at every angle. Uh, and I, again, I mentioned Augustana is a great example of someone, a, a school that's in great hands leadership-wise. They're going to make the right decisions along the way. When they don't know the answers, they're going to reach out to the people that can get them those answers. So um, a number of considerations. Financing, obviously, first and foremost. A facility is vital. Title IX implications uh, I think those are the, the three biggest that come to mind. Um, and then making sure you have the means to put together a good staff and, and give that staff the resources they need to uh, not just exist, but to thrive.
2: Jason, a couple of things that I want to throw out there uh, in regards to that. I watched uh, Lindenwood this year uh, play an exhibition series against Air Force at Lindenwood, and uh, they're close. Um, if $5 million away is close. <laughs> I guess they're close, um, but what's different and unique about their situation is they got the building. Um, it appears they're going to have the money. Uh, they already have an uh, NCAA women's program. Um, it, it's surprising to me it's taken them this long um, to make the jump. But um, is there something that that I'm missing in this whole thing uh, besides the money part of it? Or you would think it would be an easy transition if you already have women's NCAA hockey to add men's
3: yeah honestly I I don't know I'm familiar enough like I said having been out of the game for the last three years I'm not sure I'm familiar enough with uh, with their situation to be able to comment on that unfortunately um, uh, I'm obviously okay, hopeful let me let me hopeful. give you the. yeah I'm sorry yeah
2: yeah I said let me let me give you the other part of uh, my question then was uh, Greg Powers has told me for the last six years that there, in his mind, there's three steps that you have to go through in order to get uh, to the NCAA level. You have to have the finances, as we talked about. You have to have a school approval and involvement and support. And the third thing, and this is the roadmap he's laid out for a number of ACHA schools that might be considering it, is he, he thinks that you sincerely have to win at the level you're at and be dominant at that level before you move up. The reason I bring that up is I watched UNLV this weekend um, defeat the number two, the number four, and the number six ranked teams in ACHA national rankings in route to uh, winning the uh, Chicago Classic this weekend. And uh, they think that that they're going to be very close if they can win a national championship. Rick Zombo at Lindenwood has told me that he thinks he needs to win the national championship and their uh, their own rank this year at the ACHA level. Do you think winning at that level that you're at, is that important to make them that jump?
3: You know, it, it wouldn't have been one of the first things that came to mind for me, but I would certainly defer to someone like coach powers. He'd, he'd be the authority there. Wouldn't he? he's, he's gone through all of this. So if he says it, you got to listen. Um, I, th- I think there is a certain, uh, certain aspect to creating that culture, that winning culture and having those internal expectations. Um, that come with supporting a good competitive program. Yeah, I think there's something to that. And like I said, Coach Powers would, would know of what he speaks. So um, that's interesting to hear that. And you mentioned Rick Zombo, too, another fellow North Dakota alum. So, um, yeah, i yeah, these... with
2: him. I reminded him that I was going to have you on eventually. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, yeah, so these gentlemen would know more than anyone um, the vitality of that. So that's, that's interesting to hear that.
1: Well, here's – you were the uh, AD uh, at at North Dakota till 2018, and you said you spent a few years out of of of, of college hockey. Um, besides the obvious pandemic related stuff, um, has a lot changed in three years? Because with technology and things now, three years can be a long time.
3: You know. <laughs> what has changed and and this this interview is the first one that doesn't fall under this category but i did my first three three audio or radio interviews since i got hired and all of them were on camera and i don't know if, i don't know if i care about having to have my face on every radio interview <laughs> that has changed zoom has changed uh, how we do interviews for sure but otherwise honestly no um it it remains pretty similar to how i left it so to speak i know i mean if I go back to when I started as a freshman in 95, when I was lugging a typewriter up the press box stairs to do stats, um, <laughs> we've certainly seen going from going from standing by the fax machine and waiting for swimming results to come in on a Sunday night um, to then being able to work at home on your laptop and just wait for those digitally to come in. That that changed a lot. There was a major sea yeah. change uh, in the mid-90s and into the early 2000s, no doubt. But I think in the last three years, it's, it's pretty everything feels pretty familiar, um, which is good. That's uh, for me, selfishly, that means a minimal learning curve, hopefully. So no, I don't think as far as the job goes, things have changed. The landscape of the sport as we talked about has certainly changed, uh, quite a bit since I left, but otherwise, um, it feels very familiar.
1: All right. Well, I, I, I wanted to just make sure that people understand, um, that, your official and this is what it says on the website, so i, I mean i 'm assuming maybe it was a softer start, but you 've really only been there for about a week or two mm-hmm. so uh, we might be throwing questions at you that you can answer a certain <laughs> way now oh well, we
2: definitely are <laughs>
1: and you know six months from now or a year from now you, you could have completely different answers, so we just want you to know that we got your back here
3: too I appreciate that I appreciate you guys, yeah, Monday was my first day, and it was a whirlwind first week, a lot of a lot of meetings and a lot of uh, introductions and a lot of searching for files and just, just stuff that isn't yet muscle memory that will be muscle memory eventually. Um, but it's been good. Mike Snee, our executive director, and Sean Hogan from our staff, they've just been great at uh, helping me hit the ground running and and getting me what I need to do that. Um, it's been wonderful so far. And I've, I've already touched base with so many familiar faces and, and folks I used to deal with on a regular basis. It's... Um, it's good. It's been very good. I'm excited for this opportunity.
2: Jason, let me, uh, let me tell you that uh, next October, Paul's got a, a date circled on his calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, Arizona State mm-hmm. um, playing mm-hmm. North Dakota in the Hockey mm-hmm. Hall of Fame game in Las Vegas, and Paul's been uh, actively recruiting people to wear maroon and gold to, to match up against some mm-hmm. of the UND guys. Let's You've the UND Let's alum. go, they're, they're gonna be there in full force aren't they again
3: they will be there they will be there they will uh, they'll, they'll be used to being in a big game with maroon and gold in the stands that won't affect them <laughs> uh, good one good one yeah it's uh that's an incredible fan base it really is just to see how much they support that program the extent to which they support the program no matter where they're they could play in the moon and their fans would go follow um, it's just incredible what what they've been able to build over the years and it's a really symbiotic relationship though. It's, it's, it's those expectations that help keep the program as good as it is. Um, like I've I've talked about before, there's that pressure from within the program. They're aware that these folks spend their time and money and their emotional energy supporting that program. And they do not want to let them down, whether they're playing in grand forks, Las Vegas, Winnipeg, wherever, um, the program is well aware uh, of the sacrifices the fan base makes to support that program, and, and they want to reward that with, with mm-hmm. victories and with championships. It's pretty incredible. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing that next destination game. I will be there as the Director of Communications for College Hockey, Inc. I will not be there as a North Dakota fan. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to start <laughs> uh, working on this neutrality bit. It's, well, um, listen. No, no, it's no, been no, imparted no, no. upon me, believe me.
1: Well, listen, Jason, let's, let's, uh, once again, I'll just tell you that I have your back. Okay. Because um, anybody who listens to this on a regular basis knows that uh, knows where my heart is. Okay. Um, And and it's squarely in Tempe. But, you know, when they're not, when, when, when they play a game that they should have won and didn't or didn't play well, you, you still have to say it. So. Um, you know, don't worry about the, you know, you, 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 you can still root and be a fan and, 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 and be neutral at the same time. Don't worry about it.
2: I love it. Okay. Jason, we, we do this thing have for the last five weeks called the super 16. We got tired of mm-hmm. polls. So we said, why not add another one? <laughs> so, so my co-host, uh, puts together some, some numbers I want you to listen real closely as I read them to you. And uh, then I just want to get your opinion as back in the college hockey world now. The top 16 team, this is who we think are the best in the top 16 if the NCAA tournament was going to start today. So here we go. Top four, Minnesota State, Minnesota Duluth, North Dakota, St. Cloud State. Five through eight, Michigan, Quinnipiac, Denver, Western Michigan, Nine through twelve, UMass Lowell, Bemidji State, Minnesota, UMass. Thirteen through sixteen, North Omaha, Providence,
3: Ohio State. Got any beefs with those? I can't say I do. It's um, no. Um, it's hard to quibble with those. Um, there's there's a lot of. I touched on this earlier nationwide. It's so competitive now. There are just no, you, you don't very often see a program or two program just pull away from the rest of the pack anymore. Do you? Um, and that goes back to what I said earlier. There's just no gimmies on the schedule and you're just, you're just seeing a variety of flavor in that top 16 and it's hard to quibble with any of those.
1: Well, listen, uh, your check is now in the mail, Jason. Your check is now (laughs) in the mail, Jason. And, uh, so we're good. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> well, see now, uh, when you sit there and you have, uh, like I said, only been at this was, it's 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 a tough question to ask for only a week. But yeah, is there anything that has surprised you in this first
3: week? Um, that you can say. Honestly, no, it, it just, it feels right. And it feels comfortable and it feels familiar from a personal standpoint. This is what I know. And these are the people I know. And I, it just feels like this is where I belong. And I got, we made the decision three years ago to step back from the world of athletics to be able to give more time to our family. It's tough enough when one of you um, is, is in college athletics, but when you're both in it and it's such a 24, seven, seven days a week, 12 months a year, Proposition that once once the once our kids entered the fold, once we started a family, it was really difficult to have any semblance of balance. Through no one's fault. That's just the way it is. And we made that decision to step back. And I went in a completely different path. I still worked in the communications field, but I worked for a museum instead. And to learn now that was a learning curve. Um, right. I had only known one world for twenty twenty three and change, twenty three years and change. Um, so that was, that was the unfamiliar for me. That was, um, even a crisis of confidence a few times (laughs) along the way, just learning a completely different world in a completely different city. Um, but this now coming back to this and coming back to a sport and a world and a community I know so well, no, um, so far, no surprises. There will be surprises along the way. I guarantee it though. Um, that's just the way it is, but it's, uh, I'll, I'll say so far, so good. Um, if people don't understand for uh, the last 20,
2: we... hold on one second, Paul, and then you can jump. Okay. Uh, hold on one second. Am I breaking okay. up again? No, <laughs> okay. good. I got you. No, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, Jason, I was just going to say, um, uh, when you look at the world of, uh, the way it is now post, I guess a kind of post pandemic, mm-hmm. um, one word I've been using for the last 20 months or so was relevancy. Um, I tell my ACHA schools that I see regularly I'm, I'm proud of the fact that they stayed relevant through the pandemic uh, your thoughts on college hockey Did college hockey do a good job of staying relevant through the pandemic. Yeah,
3: I think so and and obviously against every possible obstacle things you could never have imagined three years ago right. Um And just watching, obviously, when I first left the sport, I was still following North Dakota closest and the NCHC closest, and to see some of the things they were able to pull off, to keep the sport alive, to keep it moving forward, uh, even though they didn't necessarily have fans in the building, uh, what they did with the bubble situation in Omaha. um, just They moved mountains, really, just to give these student-athletes some sense of normalcy and, like you said, relevancy um, through really difficult times, and I think college hockey did it tremendous job um getting through it. I, I know we're not all the way through it, but it feels like we're getting almost back to normal. And man, they should be commended for the things they did to give again to give the student athletes a chance to have a normal season, a normal career uh in the face of a global pandemic. I think we're gonna look back. Maybe we're too close to it now. Maybe we're too close to it still to truly grasp what these folks were able to do to keep things humming along as best they could. But I think someday we're going to look back and we're going to be pretty awestruck at what was done uh, to keep things together. Let me quickly
2: follow up with that if I can, because uh, some of the players and and I'm the first one to say, I'm happy to wear a mask. If it means I can Mm -hmm. uh, uh, meet a player one-on-one, like I've been fortunate to do this past uh, year anyway. Um, But a lot of the players have said, you know, we didn't realize how difficult it is to play in a building with cardboard fans. Um, That was told me about three or four times in Denver and a Colorado college.
3: Um, It means something to have vocal fans, not just cardboard. I remember, was it, I think it was Major League Baseball was the first to come back. And by that point, you're just (laughs) desperate for any live entertainment, right? You just want something besides streaming a movie or what have you. Um, but it was just bizarre. It was like some bizarre world to see these games going on. And the only thing you're hearing is the players on the field. And then we got to, I remember too in the Stanley cup playoffs and I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan. And to, to watch, like, I just, this sucks. (laughs) This is not (laughs) uh, the, the players are out there competing. They're still doing their thing, but it's just not the same. That energy is not there. And that energy is crucial. Whether you're competing, coaching or viewing it on TV as a fan, it just, Man, I, I I don't know about you guys, but I could not get into it. Um, I had a really hard time as a sports fan. I found myself drifting away a little bit from sports in general, not college hockey, but from sports in general. It just, as a live viewing experience, it was not the same without fans, obviously. And I remember watching those Stanley Cup playoffs thinking I cannot wait to have fans in these buildings again. Cannot wait. Uh, we'll never take it for granted again. If I ever did, I certainly never will take it for granted ever again. See, R- were you now, guys able to were you guys able to really stay engaged um, when the fans well, weren't in the building? Yes. Were you?
1: Well, mostly because yeah, Paul. Because Paul games were, on, <laughs> games were on all day. hmm It was great. I you know, uh, couldn't go anywhere. So I just I, I was able to watch games all day. And hockey in August, you know, <laughs> that hadn't I mean that level of hockey had not happened in my eyes since the 96 Canada cup Mm -hmm. or excuse me, the 96
3: world cup. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get into the 96 world (laughs) cup. Mike Richter still haunts my dreams. Well, listen, if it makes you you
1: feel any better. Okay. Um, the, the, that I always say that's the most intense three games I've ever seen. The best three games I've ever seen was the 87 Canada cup between the, Soviet Union and Canada, and they were six five. They, all three of those games were mm-hmm. six to five, and the goalies played out of their minds. Yep. So yeah,
3: yeah, and that's another that eighty seven series is a great example of just how much a, a packed building and a rowdy building can add to your your viewing experience. Um, that crowd was like its own own character in a movie like it was it was just berserk it was great um i've i've revisited the 87 canada cup online or on dvd so many times uh and that always jumps out at me but and like i should reiterate like i still watched sports um yeah when there no, were no, fans, i get it. it just it just wasn't the same and i i could i could not wait till the day they came back in the building and i'm, I'm glad we're mostly there now
1: oh yeah no listen
3: absolutely so, so jason let me tell you let me, let me ask you this as
2: a former SID and now back in communications again for hockey, um, it, we, we had a lot of viewing, uh, via, uh, zoom, like you were just talking about with other interviews. And, mm-hmm. um, I think for Paul and I, it was kind of nice because Paul's in New York. I was in Arizona. It was nice that he could ask questions and cover things uh, via zoom, but man, uh, a- as a guy that likes to do the one-on-one type thing, I really miss being in the locker room that I'd spent time with the Vegas golden Knights in their locker room and um, you know, the college players and there's just a different atmosphere when you can do a one-on-one face-to-face with a player um, good or bad for, for hockey from an SID standpoint.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think anyone that has worked with me over the years will know that I'm pretty clearly pro journalist. Um, uh, I, I believe in, in, I believe in journalism. I believe in what these folks are trying to do, and I'm all about getting them the one-on-one opportunities as much as possible. I no one likes a press conference. Coaches don't like press conferences. Players don't like no, press conferences. Exactly. No. Journalists certainly don't like press conferences. And then on top of that, now to be stuck on on Zoom, I, I really I was really concerned. Um, early days pandemic and beyond that this would become the new normal that leagues and teams were going to use this as an excuse to never go back to the old way. Um, And I sure, I still sure hope that's not the case because there's so much value in uh, like you said, in those one-on-one interactions, not just in terms of the quality of the story you're able to kick out, but just in, in establishing that relationship and breaking down those barriers between reporter and student athlete or reporter and coach. I think that's really valuable. I think both sides need to see each other as human beings, um, human beings doing a job. Um, I think that's vital. And I really hope, like I said, whether it's college or professional, regardless of sport, I hope that doesn't become the normal for the norm for anyone because that's just, it's it doesn't benefit the reader. It doesn't benefit the, the, the athlete or the coach, and it certainly doesn't benefit the reporter. So I'm with you all the way on that.
1: All right, I have one last question here, Um, and and I don't know if we should uh, if I should qualify the question or not. But um, when I was uh, (laughs) in school, you know, I, I was pretty close to the people in the sports information office, and they always had that one or two athletes that was their favorite, not necessarily the 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 big star, any of that sort of. But there was always a couple of players that was their favorite players. Um, in your time in North Dakota, who was that when well, it doesn't have to even be a hockey player, who was that one or two, uh, favorite athlete that you liked, loved dealing with and, and, and it was kind of a unique <laughs> experience for you as the SID
3: when, you know, this is something Brad Schlossman and I always reminisce about is, is those go-to guys and, and I'll keep it to hockey uh, okay. here, but, um. I was really blessed over the years to have, whether they wore a C, a Captain C, or an A, or didn't wear a letter at all, um, the sheer volume of guys I could depend on coming through that program. It, anyone will come talk after a win. That's the easy right. part. It's, getting the, it's learning which guys are comf- not only comfortable and willing to speak after a loss, but who can really, truly articulate um, how they feel, how the team feels how the program feels following a bad loss or an ugly loss or what have you. Those are the guys SIDs really, really lean on. And I think of captains like Che Genaway and Ryan Duncan and Dylan Simpson, who I know after a bad loss, when they see me walk through the door, they know why I'm coming in there. They know why I'm heading for their stall. And it's the last thing they want to do, but they did it without fit. No one ever said not tonight, not once in all the years I worked, not just with the hockey program. Both any programs, not one student athlete ever said not tonight. They they did it, um, and I think of guys who weren't captains like Brett Hextall or um, Derek Lapointe, uh, Scott. You'll probably remember after the 2011 Frozen Four when <laughs> North Dakota lost in St. Paul um, oh, to Michigan. My goodness, yes. Just a devastating loss. It was. It felt like a team of destiny, and it didn't happen. Um, to this day, the most difficult locker room I've ever been in on the job. And Derek LaPointe was one of the players that we took to the locker room or to the press conference. Not because he was a captain. He wasn't. He, he was an assistant captain, I should say. And not because he was a star player. He wasn't. But because I knew he'd be able to represent the program um, in a really dignified manner. And that's exactly what he did. I will never, ever forget that press conference, the way Derek LaPointe handled himself after an absolutely crushing loss. He had just played his last game as a college hockey player who knows what the future held for a player like him. He wasn't going to go to the NHL and to sit up there still in uniform. The game is barely 20 minutes old and to take question after question and just conduct himself with so much dignity and so much class, um, and put actual thought into each and every answer. I will never forget that. And I'm, I'm really glad you asked that because that's something I valued so much. Um, at the end of the day, these are 18-, 19-year-old, 20-year-old young men, and I think we forget that sometimes. And when they're on this on this stage and in this spotlight, um, we forget how hard it can be to handle yourself properly. And it's amazing how often they do. Boy, that, that was well said. And I'm going
2: to throw another name out at you that uh, is still representing, and I saw him last year in the AHL uh, with the Bakersfield Condors, Brad Malone. <laughs> and I said, Brad Malone, you're still playing hockey. I can't believe this. Uh, and still playing at a high level, still wearing the C for the Condors. And lo and behold, they got the Pacific Division Championship last year. So, yeah, there's been so many quality players. And the, the beauty of it, Jason, is that the, the players are getting better and better. Um, I never run into a player in the last six years that, uh, that I think has not handled themselves very well. So somebody's
3: doing something right everywhere. It's not the SIDs. I can promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, we, we, we 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 don't have half the poise these guys do. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I was uh, when
2: I was visiting with Jake last night. I, I could not believe that that kid is seventeen years old away uh-huh. from home. And I asked him because he's been working with uh, Austin Matthews, uh, skating coach Boris Dorzenko down in Arizona, and he told me. I I said you know. I think I met you first time at age five. And he said, yeah, I worked with Boris from, from age five up. But he said it wasn't until age 10 that I started traveling the
3: world with him. <laughs> <laughs> Once he was a grizzled vet, right? Yes.
2: Right. <laughs> and I'm going like, you're 17 now, kid. Uh, <laughs> incredible. But uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us on a Sunday night. Uh, Thanksgiving pleasure. week. Have a great Thanksgiving with Thank you too. and your family. And uh, yeah. it's so great to have you back in college hockey.
3: Thank you very much. Have a happy Thanksgiving, both of you as well, and uh, happy to come on anytime. Just say the word.
1: Ah, that's we. Like I, I better say that American Thanksgiving it, though, because that's for
2: uh... sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> American <laughs> Thanksgiving because also will. the
2: Canadian one, right?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. I get two a year. I do not complain <laughs> about this. I love oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So before you go, tell everybody where home is now. We're in the Kansas City area. We're just west of Kansas City in Shawnee, Kansas. Um, my wife oh, was gosh, presented I don't with worry where that's at. I, yeah. I stop in Kansas city every time I go to the East. <laughs> yeah. uh, wife had a great career opportunity. We decided to, to give it a shot. And um, a few months after we moved, I landed that the job at the museum that I had mentioned. And uh, we really like it here. We actually moved here pretty much sight unseen. I had never visited. Um, it's a great city. We really love it a lot. We're happy. Um, obviously barbecue everywhere you turn. Um, we've taken full advantage of that and it's a See great sports so. city too. And, um, <laughs> yeah, we're pretty happy here and it's, uh, just a stone's throw from a couple of college hockey cities. So, um, um, really excited to be here.
2: Well, we're all glad to have you back in college hockey. College, college hockey is better with you, Jason Hager. We appreciate oh, it. You. Um, Paul and I will be back in about two or three minutes to wrap up another episode of college hockey Southwest live on this start of Thanksgiving week. We'll be right back.
4: At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind The Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our Three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com.
0: Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live.
2: All right, we're back. College hockey Southwest Live, our NCAA live reaction show presented by Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com. Scott Strandy with you in Chicago, Illinois tonight. My co host, as always, Paul Hornstein out on beautiful Long Island, New York. Um, Paul, of course we're running late cuz we always do, but yeah. uh, you you know the drill on this one. I heard something, you heard something. Your thoughts on our conversation with Jason Hashley.
1: Well, listen, it's 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 a fun conversation. I it you know, I, I I feel bad. I I didn't realize that he had literally just started. I thought he had started a few weeks ago. Um so I feel, you know, so I I might have asked a few different questions, but uh uh no, you definitely get the the love for for college hockey. Um, I mean, you you almost have to have that love, right? You can't spend all that time at North Dakota and n- not fall in love with the game, right?
2: Yeah, we didn't even get to talk to a great club great cup with him because he's a big uh, canadian football fan as well but um, well see i have to uh, you know one thing with jason uh, I, and i'll tell you this and no disrespect to any other sid uh out there because they're all great they're all great they have an endless thankless job that they have to do um and we appreciate all of them but i'll tell yeah. you uh from the very start you could tell jason was uh, a pro writer pro reporter uh pro journalist Uh, from the SID's office because he would do whatever he could, whatever you asked him, whatever he could possibly get done for you, he would. And uh, as I was starting um, back in North Dakota covering uh, North Dakota hockey, it was a big deal. And there were places you could go and you couldn't go. And uh, as you know, Paul, I have a lot of friends that are players and and, uh, former players that are coaches. And they would sometimes take me places where maybe a journalist was not supposed to go. And the SID would have to come along and go, uh, what are you doing here? Oh, you came with him. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's changed a little bit now. No, it but, hasn't. They still
1: Jason let you go anywhere you want to go. I, I didn't play that <laughs> fanfare music at the
0: beginning or try
1: to. From, it, was, it wasn't an accident. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: J- Jason was one of the best uh, at never uh, letting me get into too much trouble when I was at North Dakota because, um, you know, I it, he has a job to do and you have to respect that with those guys and i certainly never tried to overstep my bounds but sometimes uh past friendships just lead me different directions and uh, end up where i shouldn't be but anyway well these um, guys have no off but we thank jason for coming on
1: huh these guys have no off season you're always no off season no, no um no. No. You're, like no, you're just, you're working all the time just as a, a small example i mean you're always working on the next season's media guide, in whatever platform or shape those things come in nowadays. Uh, you're always updating yeah, that. Yeah, on and, to- there.
2: and on top of that, you got you got guys that are being drafted. You got guys that are coming in and signing letters. You got guys that are making verbal commits. Um, you have to keep track of oh. when they can come in and, and work out with the strength and conditioning, and when they can come in and work with. Uh, with coaches. And I mean, there's just a million things. And now with the NIL, that's just another thing that uh, SIDs have to deal with. So he's going to do a fantastic job for College Hockey Inc. And uh, as things continue to progress and grow and get better in college hockey, don't be surprised if uh, Jason Hajdu doesn't have a big hand in all of those things because he's just that good. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, no easy transition out of talking about somebody that's fantastic at their job and going to me and you, but <laughs> wow, <that's laughs> uh, I want to repeat one more time the Super 16 because this is a bizarre week again. Every week is bizarre in college hockey, if you ask me, because nobody is really standing out um, and saying, like, hey, we're, we're top dog as we thought Michigan might do. At the uh, beginning of the year, at least on paper, right? But um, here's the top 16 again, and we'll put it out on Twitter tomorrow morning. Um, Minnesota State number one, Minnesota duluth number two, North Dakota number three, Saint Cloud State number four, Michigan number five, Quinnipiac six, Denver seven, Western Michigan eight, UMass Lowell nine, Bemidji State ten, Minnesota eleven. UMass 12, Notre Dame 13, Omaha 14, Providence 15, and Ohio State 16. As uh, Jason said, either whether he's just being nice or not, who knows, but uh, he, he said he kind of agreed with you, and I, I think that was a really good Super 16 based on what you have to deal with, because you look at just two examples, Paul. St. Cloud State gets beat on the road. I um, <laughs> How in the heck does that happen to Western Michigan beats them twice on the road when Denver handled Western Michigan in Denver? I, I mean, I know the home and away stuff, but really? Well, really? listen,
1: all, all I can say is, at least for what you have pointed out, it's just another week in the NCHC. I mean.
2: And not just the NCHC. The big well, team, too. Michigan at ten and four, but but then Minnesota eight and six. Well, I, mean, I, have, I Minnesota got Minnesota yeah, be I, eight I, and six I, at this I, point. I
1: I have news that and and people can take it for what it's worth. You've got some of these teams now that, uh, uh, for example, and I'll use the two Minnesota schools here just because I know you like that. Um, two of that them. other maroon and gold team really and.
2: Oh, okay. The Maroon and
1: Gold, Minnesota schools. Well, the other one. Um, And the one that's coming up to play the real Maroon and Gold. I mean, they're in danger. I I know I have them in a certain spot, but um, you know, some of those Northeast teams, some of those ECAC teams and Hockey East teams that hadn't played enough games, well, they're starting to play enough games now. And Honestly, yeah, have just as be put, in the
2: Southwest. Uh, Clarkson,
1: I, I could have just as easily put Clarkson, Cornell, and Northeastern in that top sixteen and dropped those other two schools. Um, uh, Lowell lost this afternoon to UConn. Uh, UConn is in the, you know, in the in the uh, in the twenties in the pairwise, so. You know, there's it's it's not a shock that low. That's only Lowell's second loss of the season, by the way. Okay, uh, yeah, UMass I mean, might uh... even start. You know, might deserve to be a little bit higher. Um, uh, in in maybe, and I know Jordan will probably get cranky at me, but I I'm starting to wonder whether or not Omaha belongs in that top ten or in in the. Uh, uh in, in that top Super sixteen? Sixteen. Uh they did sweep at Fairbanks this weekend, but um, you know, Friday night and maybe it's just road weariness, I guess, but um Alaska was in that game. They only lost one nothing. Um you would expect Omaha to dominate. Now um they did have some players not play, but they still only scored one goal against a team you think they should dominate. Yeah, so.
2: I, and and I'll I'll stand up for a little bit on the standpoint that it's not easy to play the first night in Alaska. I mean, that's a tough trip on a big road. Oh, absolutely. Um, th- there are some things that come into play there. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think you have to look at more than just the records. I mean, uh, nobody's got more than 11 wins so far. No more than 11. I mean, 11 is pretty impressive. Minnesota State, 11-3, you know. Um, you look at uh, Omaha 11-3-0, uh, but things are going to tighten up now, because uh, at least for Omaha, because they're going to have to start playing games uh, against top-caliber teams in the NCHC, and we know just how brutal that can be.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, I, I don't see Minnesota State losing three more games for the rest of the season. Yeah, me either. Um, <laughs> They're just a good program
2: in uh, and the schedule that is uh, very formidable for them. Well, listen, if you it's will. not that the
1: teams. Um, it's not that I think the teams in that in in in, in that conference are, are are bad. I just think just Minnesota State's just that much better. Yeah, yeah you know, I get your point, totally. I mean, they played against St. Thomas this weekend. Uh, forget the Friday night game where it was. Um, yeah, that's not fair. Uh, they only Minnesota State only gave up nine shots last night. Nine. Oh, they're tough. And and, and then they got
2: a goaltender named Dryden McKay. So uh, if he only has to face nine, although Dryden might tell you that he'd rather face twenty nine than nine, uh, just to be in the flow of things. But um, who knows? But okay. Um, well, it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, we'll have a very special show on Wednesday night. I've invited the uh, head coach from Liberty University uh to come on and uh, visit with on Wednesday night so hope, Paul hopefully we can get you on as, as well on a little round table with Stephen and myself and uh Coach Handy and uh we can talk Liberty hockey how's that sound uh
1: i there's something going i mean i i, I yeah i, I'm, I yeah you, you brought it up and i'm like I think there's something else I have to do. Wednesday, I know. I put you on the spot. Sure. It's the
2: day before Thanksgiving, but we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, Coach Handy said he'd love to come on, and uh, there's nobody better. And Thanksgiving time is nobody better to bring on than Coach Handy and nope. um, uh, give his insight into what we should all be thankful for. Well,
5: all for right.
1: Sure. Take it away, my friend. From the Summer Skate Studios, behind the mask, College Hockey Southwest, live on the ice, time hockey, SW.com network, and brought to you by Burrito Express. Homemade taste, takeout speed. Six East Valley locations. Go to BurritoExpress.com to find the one near you. Behind the Mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style. And now available at our new spot at all Allegiant Stadium events by the NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Boost Mobile, bring your current phone to any location and learn how to get a new SIM card free when you switch to Boost Mobile. UNLV Hockey, ACHA Division I Hockey Fabulous, Las Vegas atmosphere. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Worldwide, it's where the action is, in the resort or in town. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask. And all of the IcetimeHockeySW.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download at the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Masks, College Hockey Southwest Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network.
2: Very well done, my friend. Um, we will say good night, Little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers. But first, we'll say a big thank you to Jason Hasjoo, the new director of communications for College Hockey Inc. Uh, great to have Jason on, uh, and, and again, we apologize for bringing him on real early uh, in the uh, the process for him only being there a week. But I knew he'd handle it like a champ, and uh, he gives us great stuff uh, on college hockey insight as well from the SID perspective. So a big thank you to Jason for joining us tomorrow night, Professional Hockey South Post Weekly with uh, Rob Rothfarb and myself. And Paul and I will be back on Tuesday night with our scheduled guest, the head coach from Arizona State, Greg Powers, will join us just one day before he takes on Bemidji State right before the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, it's going to be another exciting week. I know it's a holiday week, but there's going to be some big action between oh, yeah. now and then with, of course, Air Force playing Sacred Heart, uh, two games this week as well on uh, Monday and Tuesday. So, yep. all right, we'll say good night, with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers De Niro. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night.